Hello, hello, hello. This is Smart Talks with IBM, a podcast from Pushkin Industries, iHeartMedia, and IBM about what it means to look at today's most challenging problems in a new way. I'm Malcolm Gladwell. Today I'm chatting with IBM's new Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer, Carla Pinheiro Sublet. Though Carla is new to IBM, she's a marketing industry veteran who has helped other tech companies launch and transform their brands. I'll also be chatting with Chimka Monkbuyer, co-founder of Agrily. Chimka was recently named one of IBM's women leaders in AI for her work with Agrily, a digital platform that helps farmers make smart decisions about their crops using IBM technology. Right now, women make up an estimated 22% of the AI workforce globally. In their work, both Carla and Chimka break down barriers in the field and help make it more inclusive. Let's dive in. Well, welcome. It's a pleasure to meet you all, the two of you. Carla, you're new to IBM, I'm told. Tell me where you came from and what brought you to IBM? I'm a 21-year veteran of the tech industry that put myself through architecture school running restaurants and bars. And I say that because that's really informed who I am and how I operate in the world. I came to IBM for a very specific reason. Uh, For starters, what an iconic brand. It's not just any tech company. It's the foundation of a whole industry. But secondly, the values of the company really resonated with me and the heritage of the company as it stands with respect to diversity and inclusion was in particular very appealing to me. So that's a big reason why I'm here. Yeah, yeah. Chimka, what brought you into this world of AI and associated things? How I started it, I was a Fulbright master's student uh, from 2018 to 2020. And then in the final year of my master's, I teamed up with a bunch of international students from Taiwan, India, and Brazil. And then we came up this idea because I was doing the research in rural development in Mongolia. And I found that interesting traditional business that is more about farming. And then we just decided to work to build that mobile app that could be connected to AI later. It's a long-term mm-hmm. plan. And then just fight uh, against climate change, uh, most importantly, and then also solve like other challenges faced by smallholders. Tell me exactly how this works. So I'm a farmer in Mongolia and I have a, I have a smartphone and I I download the Agrily app. What does it help me do? So if you're a farmer in Mongolia, it's free to download. You will download the app. And then depending on the country, you have a like farming code because you, you don't really just like start farming on your own you, because you just get a permission to use a certain land, right? And then you're using the water resource, et cetera. So you have a farmer's code and then you start putting your farmer's code. And then because every month, you know, you have to report like how much yield you're getting. You're just like answering some questions. And then uh, like at the end of quarter, your report will be ready to download for agronomists. Yeah. Yeah. So how does, tell me, Carla, chime in on this. I'm just curious about, so how does 
IBM act as a partner here? What is IBM doing to help make this app um, real? So, um, so Chimka is actually leveraging uh, many of our Watson products, including uh, our Weather Channel product um, for Agrily, and I'll let her talk about how she's leveraging them to put them together. There is an existing set of tools which IBM has available, which people like Chimka can come and customize for their own purposes. Is that That's true? right. Like depending on like geography, for example, in eastern, like if you're eastern part, eastern province, or if you're uh, pro- like central province of Mongolia, the weather is very different. You know, you have to know about your short-term weather. What is your long-term weather? Uh, so our app provides you daily, weekly, monthly, and even annual weather forecasts. It's very location specific. And then also like if you have, um, let's say if you're in the central problem, one of the central provinces and you want to contact or interact with other farmers, there's a forum discussion session that you can just register and then start interacting with the other farmers from your area. Uh, and then also there is a marketplace. Like, you know, that's the most difficult part that we are trying to implement because there's no market, market ecosystem in Mongolia, for example, uh, that you want to sell, you want to sell your produce like in the local area or in the, to the urban area. So like you can use the app because maybe some restaurants from the urban market, they can contact you through the, through the app saying that we want, I don't, I don't know, like tones of like, potatoes or carrots and then just you know uh, you can see your long-term weather prediction and just and then see the uh, apps generation list and you can tell like uh, if you're really able to you know produce that much by end of next year or something like that so the what the ai is doing is is taking the information the specific data from individual farmers and combining that with things like weather data, weather predictions, I'm assuming other information as well, and generating a set of recommendations for what would be the most efficient farming choices. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's what we are building. Yeah. Carla, we're here in part to talk about this Women Leaders in AI program that IBM is sponsoring. Tell us a little bit about that. What's the, what are the origins of it, the goals of it? Um, and how, who gets chosen for it. So sketch that out for us. Sure. So first of all, congratulations to Chimka. She is one of our 2021 Women Leaders in AI honorees. And this program was really created to shine a light on women that are playing a significant role in artificial intelligence and machine learning. And, and really, it boils down to the fact that in order to be it, you have to see it. And, uh, and we want to really give visibility and elevate women like Chimka and what they're doing. Today, the field, about 22% of the field is made up by women. And in reality, it needs to be more in line with our global population. We'd love to see 50% of the AI community made up of women. And the reason for that is quite obvious in that uh, diversity of background and, and all the ways means diversity of solutions. Um, and it also means that we build AI algorithms that are free of bias and, uh, and, and some of the, the traps that can occur when you have too many like-minded people working on a solution. Mm-hmm. How long have, has this Women in AI program been running at IBM? 
We've been running it for three years now. How does it work? So you, you there's a kind of slate of grantees every year. And how do you get how do you get chosen to be a, a member of this program? Yeah, so we look for three main areas to recognize these women. So we're looking for obviously uh, women that represent diversity in AI, but we're also looking to highlight progressive examples of how AI and IBM Watson are being applied to business. And we're curating firsthand examples of people that are pioneers leveraging AI in business. And Chimka is a perfect example of that. And the way we select them is we're fortunate to have many clients around the world that are using AI and Watson to improve customer experience and gain efficiencies. And what they've done is help nominate for us. And in return, what we do is we actually honor the folks that we feel are actually not just making gains in the field, but are actually delivering powerful business results. And, mm-hmm. uh, and we build a cohort. Yeah. Chimka, do you, do you interact with the other people who are uh, winners of the, or nom- nominees for the Women Leaders in AI program? Is it a, a network and learning opportunity in addition to being an honor? Yeah, of course. In our Agrily team, three of us are women and we all got nominated for the honorees. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. for sure we interact. But also like <laughs> at the same time, we just, we were exposed to many networks and then we started making connections and uh, started interacting with each other, what they're doing and what we are doing and trying to, you know, exchange some ideas. Like, uh, it's usually like on the social media that we are doing it. So, but like, I'm still shocked that I was nominated, uh, because like the other nominees are like, they're, they're such a strong woman. And, uh, that's, that was just very shocking news to me, but I'm so happy yeah. to be nominated. <laughs> yeah. That actually makes me so happy to hear it because it, I didn't realize it was so organic. We call it a cohort, and I thought for sure that it was something formal, but the fact that you all are reaching out to each other makes me so happy. I'd like, I'm going to ask a really dumb question. I, I always like asking dumb questions. <laughs> but um, I'm curious, you know, you, you started this, Carla, by saying 22% of people in this field are, are women, and you guys would like it to be more representative of, of uh, the actual population. Why is that? This is a dumb question. Why is it only 22%? Well, I think there's a variety of reasons that you probably know the answer to this better than I do based on some of the books you've written, Malcolm. But I think that uh, that we have a, a lack of pipeline in STEM is an obvious reason. Um, but then I also think there are things like COVID, for example. We lost millions of women in the workforce in the last 18 months as a result of COVID and the role that women play in many households. So there's a variety of factors at play here beyond just uh, women women entering STEM fields. Um, We're struggling to keep women in the workforce. Mm. Um, But I think what's encouraging to me, and I'm an optimist at heart, is hearing Chimka's story. I mean, it didn't sound like, Chimka, that you actually set out to go into a STEM field. It sounds like you're an entrepreneur first and you came into the technology, which for me is super inspiring. Uh, because that means that the technology is becoming ubiquitous mm-hmm. and that you don't actually have to be a person that comes from a science or engineering background to be able to leverage these tools. What You said there were two other women in Agrily who were also nominees. So Agrily seems to have a pretty strong cohort of women at the top. What difference does that make? When you have an organization that has 
as many women as that in positions of leadership. Do you do things differently than if you were a company that had entirely men at the top? I think when we think about agorally, like uh, our solutions tend to, like our plan and resolutions tend to be like more long-term and like pretty much detail-oriented, you know? <laughs> like we just see the every risk that could just arise in the long-term and then we just start thinking about like how we can address one by one because uh, usually uh, in the startup world, for example, it's very hard to predict like what's going to happen in the long term. But like for us, actually, we always think about like short, what's going to happen in short term. And then we also talk about and then think about more about the long term plan. I think that could mm -hmm. be the difference. Mm -hmm. Carla, you, you are a, a woman in a field that historically has been very male I'm just curious, over the course of your career, have you, what's, what kind of transformation in terms of, of, of uh, representation have you seen in the tech world? Wow, I've seen a huge shift. In the beginning of my career, I, there were many times where I was the only woman in the room. Mm -hmm. And fast forward to now, I actually feel in most of the rooms that sometimes there's more women than men. And that's something that I hadn't seen in the in, in my past. Um, yeah. I'll also say, Malcolm, I, I was, it was interesting. This, this, I realized this actually today. I was speaking to a group of people. I feel like because of that, I personally have been able to be more of myself. Um, and, and it's been this journey to authenticity over the course of my career. And the more I'm surrounded with people like me, the more comfortable I become. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's nice to be working with diverse teams. And again, it's a big reason of why I chose to come to IBM because there's such a focus on diversity and inclusion. Uh, mm -hmm. we had an equal pay policy that predated the civil rights act, for example. And, uh, yeah. and so we've been working on diversity and inclusion initiatives since 1911. Um, it's kind of mind blowing to think about. And, and that's very much a part of who IBM is and what we're about both internally and externally. Rita, I was fascinated by something you said, which was that you, it's much easier to be yourself in environments mm. where, so compare your 2021 self, Carla, to your, I don't want to put a, num a date on when you started out, but to, to <laughs> I your- I don't mind. So what was it like? Like, dig into that for a moment. What is the difference between the self you can be now and the self you were when you started out in male-dominated environments? I mean, I uh, had peers that used to walk the aisles, the sales hallways with baseball bats and, uh, you know, and swing the baseball bats um, oh to try and intimidate their sales organizations. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, it's, uh, and, uh, you know, fast forward to here we are during COVID and, and people are holding their children while on screen. It's, it's just such a juxtaposition. Um I, I grew up in a very formal environment uh, where there were actual dress codes and you could only wear certain things. And, uh, and so it's, it's been a complete and total change that I've witnessed over the last 21 plus years of my career in tech. Chimka, let's, let's talk a little bit more about your own personal story and then how you got involved with Agrily. So did you grow up in Mongolia? Yeah, uh, I was born and grown up in the eastern Most province of Mongolia, 
My grandma, she had a small field and greenhouse that we used to just grow up tomato and cucumber. It was like back in uh, 1990s, you know, just like you cannot really find tomato or cucumber very easy in Mongolia. <laughs> but um, grandma, she used to like try to fight against these climate conditions because in Mongolia, the, the climate is quite extreme. We have like very cold winter. We have like very windy spring quite chilly autumn and then also very dry uh, summer it could be. I was like always curious about like how people in the rural area are still like going on with life because uh, most of them are dependent on farming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then later, um, I think starting in t- 2015 or 16, I started working with this uh, international NGO to fight against human trafficking. I had to travel a lot to the bordering areas and then start training women there who are afflicted with the human trafficking. And it started like telling them what kind of problems they can solve in their rural area. So that's how I just got inter- like attracted to maybe I should learn about like more about entrepreneurship. Like I should just change the idea of like starting traditional business, like something new, something related to technology or whatever. Like you have to start thinking in a different way. And how did you think in a different way? What was your approach? I found like very common pattern, like two things I found. The first problem in rural area was in Mongolia was youth employment. And then second one, uh, like a lot of young people struggle to get a job there because there's no job. And second one was like, there's nobody in farming, they, especially young people, they easily give up job in farming. Then I questioned myself, why? So like I started talking to the specific smallholder family farmers, like what could be the problems and then what could be the solutions. And then I thought like, maybe those problems can be solved with a smartphone because the usage, the coverage of the smartphone was quite high in Mongolia. Everybody has Facebook, everybody has smartphone. So what do you need now? <laughs> that's what I thought. And that's how Agrily idea came up along with my teammates. Carla, how, how typical is Chimka and Agrily? Are there a lot of companies, young companies that IBM's working with like that? There are quite a few and I'm discovering them more and more each day. And it inspires me so much uh, to hear these stories. And I actually see that as one of the primary functions of my role and my organization's role is to to elevate the Chimkas and Agrilis of the world as examples for everyone else to follow. Her story mm-hmm. is so inspiring. And as actually, Chimka, as you were talking, one of the things I was wondering is what's happened to the business since you won the award? We have been just piloting the, the, uh, the testing apps the first time we piloted in Mongolia, like in three eastern provinces, we reached out to a lot of farmers who can who are interested in testing this kind of app because this kind of like like mobile app in agriculture sector is not really a common thing. And then everybody was uh, quite impressed because uh, you know, just like there's a young woman just reaching out to people and talking about technology, mobile app and agriculture. I have no idea about like agriculture. I have no idea about technology. Right. Uh, but the only thing is like I knew that there was a real problems that we can solve. Uh, and then we started piloting in Brazil in September. And then in November, we started piloting it in India. So these three countries are like totally different in terms of like how agriculture is advanced. So we started developing like local apps tailored to Mongolia, tailored to India, tailored to Brazil. And then 
That's how we started in January. And now we are nearing the launch date in Mongolia. And also Brazil and India, we are launching quite soon. In the absence of AI, can you do this without without piggybacking on Watson? And what was that? What would it look like without IBM as a partner? Impossible or just clunky and not as good? We cannot do anything without those kind of technology, you know, that IBM has. Like the, for the weather, for example, like we cannot do it by ourselves, of course. So like these daily, uh, you know, just like weekly and monthly, uh, like weather predictions are all from the weather company by I- IBM. And then using our studio, we are generating it. We are generating the, the entire, uh, entire long-term forecast for each cities in different countries. Yeah. And then also we are using the IBM cloud storage to put everything on the server. And then that's how like people just can get it through the app. Yeah. Yeah. So hundreds of thousands of developers can leverage these tools uh, to build applications. You know, and there's another topic of which I, I feel like IBM is starting to establish some thought leadership around, which is not just the tools themselves, but the ethics around the tools. And, uh, and making sure that the algorithms that are being built, that then entrepreneurs like Chimka are leveraging the tools for, are actually explainable and fair. And, uh, and that, that she can be confident in the decision-making of those tools and that they're, they're unbiased. And, and that requires build, building algorithms that are, that are built on hard evidence, like standardized tests and transparent reporting. And, uh, and this is something that our research team has been very, very focused on so that people like Chimka can focus on our business and not have to worry about those components of our tools. Yeah. And does, does the data that you generate Chimka and will be generating over time, does that get fed back into Watson? Does Watson learn from Agrilay as well as Agrilay learn from Watson? Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's what we are doing. So Agrilay team, we are now working with uh, IBM open source technology. We are trying to, like that, as Carla said, like, you know, we have to uh, have something for free for farmers and then for public that they can use. So we are working with the IBM to, uh, to have a, some open source technology, which is uh, like basically this weather and forum and then also crop risk. We are trying to make it more open source. Like without IBM, like we cannot do it. We cannot just like create this such a big network of worldwide and then like, you know, just to get a support from the people who are in the different sectors. So like IBM is basically making it uh, possible. Yeah, we are learning a lot from Watson and Watson can absolutely learn our data and train itself and then just like you back something really supporting data to like each country in the farming. Are, you, are people at IBM surprised at all the inventive uses that Watson and AI are being put to? No, not at all. And in fact, I visited our headquarters for the first time a couple of weeks ago and it really hit me what IBM has represented in the world in the last hundred years and what has actually come out of this company and and what it has it has enabled. So as an example, our our research team has received five Nobel Prizes. We invented the first personal computer. Uh, we invented LASIK, the barcode, the technology behind the ATM, just to name a few very small things that we've invented that have changed the course of, of how we work and live. 
So when I think about the future of IBM and the fact that we are building the tools and functionality that will then enable people like Chimka to create the Mm -hmm. next set of technologies that will change the way that we work and live, it's not surprising to me because that's part of our heritage. That's what we've represented and and that's what we're going to represent and enable in the future. So let me ask you, Connor, you're we're talking about AI. Have companies like IBM done a good job in explaining to the public what AI is all about? Like listening to Chimka, this is using a technology to solve problems in the lives of a, an extraordinary number of people who nobody was bringing them that level of technological sophistication and help before, right? There's, I mean, is that story? Yeah. If I'm being honest, Malcolm, no. It's it's part of it's part of my remit and my organization's role to bring these stories to life. It's part of why we're here with you today, so that people people can learn what's possible. Um, and and I think that it is our responsibility to to tell these stories, so that we can inspire folks to to leverage these technologies to improve our lives and to solve mm-hmm. significant problems, um, whether they're from a business standpoint or from a societal standpoint. And in Chimka's case, I think she's doing both. Yeah. Why is it hard to tell these kinds of stories? I think there are a couple of things at play here. I think it's hard to tell these stories because there are so many of them and they're so diverse. And and picking the stories that you're going to tell can sometimes be difficult because there's so many different applications. Um, I also think we have a business to run and, and there are times where they, that we don't actually take the time to explain our technology. There's an assumption because so many people are using it that the world already knows what it's doing. But even I myself joining the company, I'm now starting to appreciate how much of the world's backbone from a technology standpoint is, is made up of IBM. And, mm-hmm. uh, and we need to, to tell these stories, to, to shepherd this next era for the company, but also, quite frankly, to inspire the next Chimka. Mm-hmm. I asked that question about the importance of these kinds of stories, because one of the things that struck me with COVID and with you know this problem of people who are vaccine-resistant is I think on balance, a lot of resistance to vaccines is people can't wrap their mind around the notion that people who do science and technological innovation are trying to help them. We've gotten so cynical about technology that people assume, oh, they're doing it. They must have some nefarious motive. There must be some big bucks involved. There must be, and it's, it's not that. It's like, they actually just want to save your life. And same thing listening to Chimka you know, I hope you get very rich, Jim. <laughs> but your yeah. <laughs> motivation is is you want to help the people back home in Mongolia, right? Like yeah. you you talked about you you started talking about your grandmother for goodness sake. Like yeah. that's your motivation, and I feel like somehow along the way we we've neglected to inform the world that people who do this this kind of innovation have the most human of motivations. Yeah. Thank There's you. the purest of intent there. The purest of intent. Not only in Mongolia. Like I, I'm gonna apply it. Like we're gonna apply it to the whole world. Like all emerging markets. You will see. Like thank you. <laughs> I'll, 
<laughs> That's wonderful. Well, th- thank you. This has been so fun. I really enjoyed chatting with you. And I, um, my hat is off to both of you for telling these kinds of stories. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really thank appreciate you, Malcolm, it. And thank you, Chimka. Yeah. Thank you, Carla. Thank you, Malcolm. When we see the positive impact made by women in the field, it's obvious that tech companies must become more inclusive to stay innovative. People like Chimka and Carla are driving that impact using tech solutions to solve problems that most people in the industry haven't thought of. Thanks again to Carla Pinheiro Sublet and Chimka Monkbuyer for talking with me. It was such a pleasure. Smart Talks with IBM is produced by Emily Rostak with Carly Migliori, edited by Karen Shakurji, engineering by Martin Gonzalez, mixed and mastered by Jason Gambrell, music by Gramoscope. Special thanks to Molly Sosha, Andy Kelly, Mia LaBelle, Jacob Weisberg, Hedda Fain, Eric Sandler, and Maggie Taylor, and the teams at 8Bar and IBM. Smart Talks with IBM is a production of Pushkin Industries and iHeartMedia. You can find more episodes at ibm.com slash smarttalks. And you can find more Pushkin podcasts on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. I'm Malcolm Gladwell. See you next time.